Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning and for being able to gather together, Lord, having our Bibles open, being able to worship, Lord, pray together, and just even though we're online, God, you've knit our hearts together through your Holy Spirit. And I ask God through your Holy Spirit that you would anoint your word, that you would speak to us this morning. God, that you would grab onto us deep in our soul, Lord, and reach down and love on us and, and tell us how much you, you really care for us, Lord. And as we study your word, may we find a great truth, Lord, that we have life in you. So I just pray for everyone listening in right now, everyone watching online, God, that you would, you would move heavily upon all of our hearts, God. And as we look to you, God, may we find faith, may we find trust, may we find hope and your love. So anoint this time, we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, there was this email that was sent to the wrong person by mistake. See, this husband left the snow-filled New York City for a vacation getaway in sunny Florida. Now, his wife on a business trip, uh, was, there was a plan for his wife, for her to meet the husband in Miami, Florida the next day. So the husband went a day ahead, and when he arrived at the hotel, he checked in, and he decided to send a quick email to his wife. But he mistyped her email address by one letter. You know what that could do. So it ended up going to this elderly rabbi's wife whose husband had just passed away a few days earlier. Now, when the grieving widow happened to check her email, she let out this loud scream. The family rushed in to find her fainted in her chair, and they saw this note still up on the computer screen. And this is what it said. Hey, my lovely wife, I just checked in. They have free internet here. Everybody is ready for your arrival tomorrow. See you soon, your eternal loving husband. And then there was this note, P.S., it sure is hot down here. Funny, hot down here, right? But what a shock it was to get an email from someone you thought was dead but is alive. Well, this morning in our Easter Sunday message, some women are sent a startling message about the one they love who died just three days later. And this angel who brings this message brings the best news ever. And you know what that is? Jesus is alive. And that's the title of our message this morning. Jesus is alive. We're going to be looking Matthew chapter 28. This is our passage here this morning from verse 1 through 10. And I've broken up our passage into three parts. And this is our outline here this morning. Number one, the miracle. Number two, the message. And number three, the meeting. So let's begin here. Jesus is alive, but we're going to begin with number one in our outline, the miracle, the miracle. So take a look with me here. We're going to be covering in this first section for those of you guys that are taking notes from verses one through four. So in our first section, one through four. But first of all, let's take a look at verse one, verse one, Matthew 28. Now, verse one reads, now after the Sabbath toward the Dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And we'll stop right there. Now, we begin here how it was after the Jewish Sabbath. 
And it was dawn. That means early in the morning, right? When the sun's coming up on the first day of the week. Now, in Jewish uh, weeks, that is Sunday now. So it's Sunday morning after the Sabbath was over. And, it, and think about this. It was only three days ago that Jesus was unjustly arrested, turned over to the Romans, condemned, and then crucified on the cross where he died a horrible and painful death. So right before the Sabbath, his body was put into the tomb and a large stone was rolled in front of the, the opening of the tomb to seal it. So th this is what we see here in verse 1 in Matthew chapter 28, that these women came to pay respect to Jesus who, who had been put in the tomb three days ago, who had died on the cross three days ago, and they came to pay respect to Jesus as soon as they could, as soon as the Sabbath was over. You know, ever since Mary Magdalene was delivered of seven demons, she never stopped following Jesus. And this other Mary that's mentioned here in verse 1, she was part of the group of women who also were following Jesus. This Mary, we know from the other Gospels, is the mother of one of the disciples, James the Less. And matter of fact, Luke tells us that the other group of women were also making their way to the tomb also. And they were coming along with Mary Magdalene and this Mary to anoint the body of Jesus. Bringing more spices to anoint his body than what was uh, done uh, on three days ago. So they came really to give more respect and honor to Jesus. So we see these women came to the tomb. But I don't know if this is in your mind. Where are the disciples? We have these group of women. We have these two women here who, who are followers of Jesus. And that is death. They're coming, bring these spices and show of honor and respect. But where's the disciples? You know, in all of the resurrection stories and in each of the gospels, we do not see the disciples at the tomb. We do know this, that when Jesus was arrested in the garden, that they all forsook him and fled, Mark 26, 56 tells us. And, and you know why that was? You see, their expectation that Jesus is the Messiah, that the Messiah was to take over the oppressive Roman government, set up his kingdom on earth and be king. They thought all of that was to happen, which will happen in Jesus' second coming. But this was his first coming. And as was prophesied, Jesus had died on the cross. So you can imagine these disciples are all messed up. Jesus had died on the cross. They were filled with fear. He got arrested. The Roman government put him to death. They are disappointed. They're full of fear. They're confused. It was this crisis of faith in their life. But you know what? The women were going through the same thing. But even though... They had these same emotions, these same things going on inside of them. It did not change their loyalty and love for Jesus. So we see them here at the tomb. These women went to the tomb as soon as they were able to go to give respect to Jesus. So here's what we see here. Even in his unexpected death, nothing stopped these women from wanting to be with Jesus. Do you see that in verse 1? Isn't that beautiful? Even in his unexpected death. I mean, they're probably babbling those same emotions. What's going on? I'm confused. Jesus dying. But nothing stopped these women from wanting to be with Jesus. To give him respect and honor. 
This really showed their love and loyalty, didn't it? Frank Gavin said this, a test of devotion is the extent to which in happiness as well as in sorrow, we think of Jesus. And that's these women. Even those, these women didn't even fully understand what was going on. They were sad. They couldn't, they were disappointed too, but they were still there at the tomb. What was going on did not change their love and devotion to Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but that speaks to my heart. Doesn't it speak to our hearts right now? I mean, we can be so temperamental, right? If things don't go the way we want, what? We're all in a tizzy about it. If, if we're inconvenienced by, by a, a little bit, we don't like it, right? I mean, you may be, uh, you, maybe you've been connecting here in our live stream and all of a sudden there's some hiccups and, and it, sh- it, it stops streaming. Sometimes, I know, sometimes I'm watching something, you know, on, on like Apple TV or something and then the stream stops and I'm like, oh, forget it. You know, I'm going to change shows. I hope you don't do that, that with us. But you know how the stream can hiccup and it could freeze. No, that was me. I, I, I just froze there. No, it wasn't you. I bet you already, oh, forget it. No. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? If things don't live up, you know, go to our, our, our expectations, or, or even if they don't live up to the standard, you're like, I'm out of here. We can be so impatient. But you know what? Not these women. They were devoted and loyal to God even when it didn't make sense. And I'll tell you, that is love. That is the one who really loves Jesus with all their heart. And let me say this. Those who diligently seek Jesus, no matter what, will not be disappointed. Look at this in verse 2 through 4 now, and you'll see. It says in verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Now, before the women arrived at the tomb, God was taking care of some things here. There was this huge earthquake that God put out, and then he sent this angel down. And the angel came down, and he rolled back the stone. He rolled back the rock. Now, back then, as I mentioned, there was this big stone that would cover the mouth of the tomb, the the opening there. And underneath, they would actually carve out this little track so the stone couldn't actually be moved over. It would take several guys to do that. But here's the angel coming down. Could you imagine an angel coming down, and then just with this finger, just goes, and it goes, and moves. And then the angel just sits on this rock. Well, the Roman soldiers who are tasked now to guard the tomb, making sure nothing happens to Jesus' body and these rumors, you know, like someone stole it, would go on. They were there and they saw this, this angel. And this angel was a shining angel. It was bright like lightning, it says here. It's like, you know how bright lightning is? You got to kind of, I mean, if you were just, if if it were to stay lightning, it would be this bright light. It's this bright light going out. And then his clothing was pure white as snow, like it was glowing. You know what? That was the reflection of the glory of God because this angel came down from heaven. It was reflecting off this holy being, this angel, the 
glory of God. So the soldiers are looking, they're all squinting, who is this? And here's this angel. And these battle-hardened Roman soldiers shook with fear. They trembled. And I don't know, I'm speculating, but I, but I almost think the angel moves the rock, right? Sits on, on top of it, kind of smiles at them and goes, hey, aloha, guys. No, he, you know, and they're probably like, whoa. And then they fainted. And by the time the women came, they had revived and ran away. So God sent this angel to open up the tomb in preparation for these women. Mark 16 tells us that on the way to the tomb, these ladies, they were all wondering while they're on the trail going to the tomb. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? They want to bring these spices. They want to give, pay their respects. But they're wondering, their heart was, was so burdened to be with Jesus, to, to honor him. They didn't think about, you know, that, wait, how are we going to get in there? How are we going to anoint the body? But they're just wondering, I don't know, we'll figure it out. We'll figure that out when we get there. But by the time they arrived, God took care of the, the stone that covered the mouth of the tomb. And he took care of the soldiers. This is the miracle. Thus our heading. The great missionary to India, Amy, Mar Amy Carmichael, wrote, Let us look out for the angels when, the, when impossible things lie ahead. Think of impossibilities being turned into seats for angels. God takes care of obstacles by sending his angel. So here's the second point in this first section. God sent the angel so that the woman, women could walk into a miracle. God sent the angel so that the women could walk into a miracle. You know what? God does miracles on Easter. He does. And I believe he wants to do a miracle in your heart. I believe there, there's things that God wants to work in your life if you would only let him. But guaranteed, like it was on this first Easter, God does miracles on Easter. In 1799, a small town uh, called Fedkirk, Austria, was surrounded by the French armies of Napoleon. The town officials were meeting in fear. They didn't know what to do. But in the middle of that meeting, this church leader stood up and said, My brothers, it is Easter day. We have been looking to our own strength and that has failed. Let us turn to God, ring the bells, and have service, and leave the matter in God's hands. Well, in their devotion to Jesus, in their commitment to honor him, they rang the bells in honor of Jesus' resurrection of Easter Day. Well, you know what happened? The French army heard the sudden clanging of the bells and it totally confused them and they began to think it meant the Austrian army had finally come to the town to rescue them and they fled they retreated they ran away in fear it is said by the time the bells stopped ringing by the time the hammer stopped clinging on those big bells of the church not one French soldier was to be seen isn't that wonderful Perhaps you are in need of your own Easter miracle. Is there perhaps maybe a stone that needs to be rolled out of the way? Perhaps there's some oppressious, uh, oppressive, quote-unquote, soldiers that are blocking you. Perhaps it's that fear, it's that panic that is keeping you from really having peace in your life. 
Or maybe it's something that's keeping you from really going to Jesus and coming to Jesus. Listen, God wants to do a miracle this morning. He wants to move and work in your life. So, so don't give up too soon. Seek Jesus. Keep seeking him. And if you seek him, God promises in the Bible that you will find him. Don't try and change these things in your own strength, but let God's miracle hand do that work. It's not our own strength, but go to God and walk into the miracle he has for you today. All right, well, let's go on here now to number two, the message, the message. Let's go on to the message. We've seen number one, the miracle, and now the message. Take a look at these two verses, and this is the verses of our section here, verses 5 and 6, Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 5 and 6. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where he lay. Now this is it. This is the message. This is the announcement here. So verse 5 says that, that the angel said to the women. So, so see this now. Picture this. These women walk up and they see, see the tomb open. But not only was their wishes granted, how are we going to you know, get into the tomb? But there's this shining angel sitting upon the stone. Now, I don't know about you, if I saw this, this magnificent angel from heaven where the glory of God is shining from it, I mean, you could feel God's presence, you know, reflecting off this holy being, right? I would be afraid. I don't know about you. So I'm sure these women were afraid. So you know what the first thing the angel speaks? The angel speaks to the women and reassures them by saying, hey, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. In other words, look, I'm not here to harm you. No worries here. Then secondly, he says these interesting words. He says, I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. In other words, I know you came for, for a funeral, right? These women were coming, carrying the spices. How are we going to move the stone and put spices and, and pay their respect and honor to Jesus who died three days ago? And he goes, I know you came for a funeral. I know you came for Jesus who was crucified, who had died. But then the angel's like, look, but look, he is not here. And I'm sure he's sitting on this stone, right? And he points over to the, to the opening of the tomb. And maybe the light is coming in by this time in this rising sun. And they, from their vantage point, could see that the, the, that the tomb is empty. So the angel says, he is not here, guys. Look. And why is that? Well, the angel says, let me tell you, for he has risen. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And you know what that means? Jesus is alive. And that is, the angel says, just as he said. In other words, just as he predicted in numerous times, you know, in the Gospels, before he went to the cross, before he died, uh, he said, hey, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to die on the cross, I'm going to be betrayed, and all of that, but in three days I'm going to rise again. Numerous times he said that. So the angel's like, hey, just like he said, look, look, remember, remember? Look, Jesus is alive, he's not here. You know why you don't see his body? He is risen. So the angel invites the women, like, come, come, come. He says, come see the place where he lay. 
Now remember, it was just three days ago that these group of women saw Jesus' body placed there in this borrowed tomb. They saw it all with their own eyes. They saw him being wrapped up with the, the burial clothes. They came and anointed his body, and now they're looking in where, they, where the body was and three days ago, and it's gone. So you see, the angel shows them the empty tomb. And this is the message. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. He is risen. The tomb is empty, and that's the message are heading here. I like what uh, J. Vernon McGee said about this, and I'm going to put this on the screen, and I think it's, uh, I want to put it into your minds. J. Vernon McGee said, the stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out, but to let them in. And I love that. It wasn't like the, he was waiting, hey, come on, come on, angel, hurry up, open. No, he rose again from the dead, went through the stone, through the tomb, through everything, and got his resurrected body. And he's alive now. And so the stone was rolled away so the ladies could look inside and see that the tomb is empty. So what do we see here? The empty tomb with no dead body says but one thing. Jesus is alive. Amen? The empty tomb with no dead body says but one thing. Jesus is alive. You know, all over the world are famous tombs that people go and visit. Some people travel around the world, and, and, and they like to visit these tombs. Why? Because of who is buried inside. You know, the Taj Mahal in India holds the bodies of Shah Jahan and his wife. They're buried there and tombed there. The Green Dome in Saudi Arabia houses the bones of Muhammad. How about the pyramids in Egypt? We know that, right? It contains the mummified bodies of the Egyptian kings. Inside Westminster Abbey in England, I've been there. I went there and I saw these tombs. They, they rest the bodies of English kings and nobles from centuries ago. Um, right away, I thought it's kind of strange that they're, they're entombed inside the church. But anyway, that's their tradition. But I've been there. I've seen that. But there is another famous tomb that's way different from these guys. The garden tomb in Jerusalem is not famous for who's inside. And you know why? Because Jesus was buried there, but Jesus is no longer there. His body is gone, and it's empty. The garden tomb, which is believed to be where Jesus was buried, I've been there, I've looked in, twice I've been there, and you know, it's still empty even the second time. It's famous because it's empty. There is no body inside. The tomb is empty. So understand this. The empty tomb with no dead body says but one thing. Jesus is alive. Praise God. Praise God for that. Gee, death cannot hold him down. But Jesus rose again from the dead on the third day. And what does Jesus being alive from the dead really mean? Why do we gather together on Easter Sunday and do a special service, do a special message, have special songs, have a special greeting? Why is that so important than any other uh, Sunday we meet as a church? Because Jesus rose from the dead. And let me give you four Great reasons why Easter is so important. He is risen means, number one, you can be forgiven. 
Know that today, church. Know that those of you who are connected in, maybe for the first time, listen, he is risen. When the angel said those words, you know what that means? It means you can be forgiven. Why is that? Well, if his body was still in the tomb, it would mean his sacrifice was not enough to pay for the penalty for our sins. But because it was, the Father raised him up from the dead, and now he is alive. And now that means you can be forgiven. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, and we'll put this on the screen, if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness now i've talked about that before confess means agree it means it means to be in the same page with god where where we see our sins the same way he sees our sins so when we truly confess our sins you know what look at what the verse says here he is faithful you know what that means that means when you come to him you really confess your sins when you're asking god forgive forgiveness he's going to give it to you He's faithful to forgive you because Christ died on the cross and rose again from the dead. And it says he's faithful and just. That means he can justly forgive you because Christ died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. He was our sacrifice for our sins. So now God can justly forgive us our sins and cleanse us now from all unrighteousness. So you see, he is risen means you can be forgiven of your sins. Know that today. Secondly, he is risen means Jesus conquered sin and death. Jesus conquered sin and death because he died as a sacrifice for our sins and then rose again from the dead and we can be forgiven. You know what? Death no longer is the end uh, ending consequences of our sin. Because of our sin, we have to die. Because of our sin, we got to die and not go to heaven. Because of our sin, we cannot go to be with God and have eternal life. We end up, sorry to say, in hell. But because of Christ, he conquered sin and death, dying on the cross, rising again, and now we can have life. No longer has death hold, have a hold upon us. Look at 1 Corinthians 15.54 here now. This is the NLT version. And it says, Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, our glorified bodies, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. So you understand, Jesus conquered sin and death. And because of that, our salvation in Christ means there's no more fear in dying. Maybe you're listening in right now and you connect it up and, and perhaps you have been and there's been that panicky feeling with this coronavirus going on and people are unfortunately passing away and, and there's fear. But you know, you don't have to have that fear of dying because Jesus Christ died on a cross, rose again from the dead and death is swallowed up in that victory. In salvation in Christ, we know when we go to die, that is not the end. It's only the beginning of our new life in heaven with our glorified bodies. And that's the third thing. He is risen means you can go to heaven. Not only can you be forgiven, not only does it mean that Jesus conquered sin and death, but listen, number three, you can go to heaven. That's our hope. You guys know this verse, right? John three sixteen. 
It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Look at that verse here. God so loved the world. He, he loved us so much. Our sin separated us from God. We, we couldn't have a relationship with the, with the holy God. There was this big like chasm where we could not cross and be close to God and know God because of our sin. So what did God do? Because of his love, he brought the solution. No matter how many good things we do, we could not build that bridge. It would only collapse because of our, our sinfulness. But God loved us so much that he gave. He sent his only son to die on the cross for us. And Christ became that bridge between the, uh, the, the us and God and that chasm in between. He is the bridge. Christ did when he died on the cross and rose again. So that now whoever believes in him, believes in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Lord, God the Son, who died on the cross for our sins, rose again. When you believe the work that he did, then we can have salvation. Then, then we will not perish but have eternal life. That means we can go to heaven. And that is our hope. So the third thing is you can go to heaven. He is risen means you can go to heaven. And then lastly, he is risen means this. Number four, Jesus can give you new life. Since Jesus is risen, believers can rise up into a new life by the same resurrection power. We can rise up and receive our glorified bodies. We're forgiven. We're made clean now. His righteousness is upon us. We're made right with God and now we can get our glorified bodies and go to heaven. But not only that, we can have a new life right now. Christ, when he died on the cross and rose again from the dead, when the angel said he is risen and meant, you know what? We can be free of our sin, the bondage of our old flesh and sin. And then Christ gives us a new life through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. We become a new creation and we're free, free of this old, this old messed up person and we become a brand new person now over here i have uh and you probably saw on the screen this uh easter lily uh we were able to find some for our easter morning i mean i was i was telling our family we gotta have easter lily lily, lily lilies right aren't they pretty i mean uh, it's so awesome to have this this one starting to bloom and and, uh, well, this one, sorry, don't look at that. But uh, <laughs> this one looks super nice, so you know what I'm saying. They're pretty. But did you know this was once a dead bulb? That's how it starts, starts out. You put it in the ground, and then water it, and after a little while, then the plant starts to sprout up. It rises up into something beautiful and blooms in this way. And that, that's why Easter lilies are called that, because that represents like Christ dying, uh, I, dying, being buried for three days and then rising up in resurrection. But let me, I want to uh, tell you that this doesn't just represent Christ, but it represents the new life that we can have too. The work of the power of the resurrection can be working in our lives too. And what I mean is that Jesus can take this this dead kind of um, sinful person in bondage but he can save you and then he can make you into something beautiful like this we know that in second and we know that in second corinthians 5 17 it says therefore if 
anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that's a promise of God. That's a promise to you when you give your life to Christ. You know what? You will become a new creation. So understand this. When the angels told the women, he is risen. Look, the tomb is empty. It means you can be forgiven. Jesus conquered sin and death. You can go to heaven and Jesus can give you new life. You know, in a moment, I'm going to have an opportunity for you to give your life to Jesus. Will you consider it even now? Start to consider now. Think about it now. God is calling you. I know you feel it. I know the Holy Spirit is moving out. I remember when I first came to Christ, oh, and, and the, the, the pastor, the preacher was teaching, and he was talking just like this, and I could, I could sense it. And I sense that God is reaching out to you right now. That he's saying, I love you. I want to save you. I want to free you from your sin. I want to make you beautiful. I want to make you a new creation. You know, I, I remember being freed from my sin. I remember the coming to Christ and praying a prayer and all the guilt and, and all the condemnation was lifted off of me, like off my shoulders when I was forgiven by Jesus. So will you go to him and find that too? I believe God is speaking to you right now. Now, many times I know, I, I, I remember thinking this too, that maybe you feel unworthy. Many times people say, well, I don't know. I, I'm so bad. I don't know. I, I've done so much wrong, Pastor Rick. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've said. You don't know what, what has happened. Maybe you are looking back down on your whole life, and you're thinking, oh, I really messed up. I don't know if Christ could even really save me. And you feel so unworthy. But let me tell you, every believer, every Christian, nobody is worthy of salvation. That's why God sent Jesus, because we could not make ourselves worthy. We could not do enough good things to make ourselves worthy for salvation. Maybe you feel unworthy, but you know what? None of us are. You know, uh, I was reading about this three-year-old little Shawnee, and he was going into the sanctuary for Easter for the first time, little boy. And his father was trying to explain to him. They saw the cross in the church and trying to explain what was going on. And so the father told little Shawnee, see, Jesus died because the sins of all the people nailed him to the cross. Well, all of a sudden, little Shawnee's eyes got really wide, and the little boy said, you mean all these people in here? Well, yep, little Shawnee, it's true. You and me, everyone Christ died for. None of us are worthy. I am a Christian today because of not anything I've done. I've done, if anything, is much wrong and bad and sin. But it's because of what Jesus has done for me. And so you can be saved from your sins too. All because Jesus is alive. Well, let's move on here to number three, the meeting. The meeting. We'll go on here to number three, the meeting. Now, this is the, the rest of our, our verses here this morning from verse 7 through 10. But first take a look at here verse 7 and 8. Verse 7 and 8. So it says here, 
Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. And then verse 8. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. All right. So the angel, remember, is speaking here still. And they're having this conversation with the angel. And the angel points out, look, empty tomb. Why is that? He is risen. He is risen. And they're like, whoa, whoa, the body's gone, everything. So now the angel instructs the women to bring the same message to the disciples, and that is Jesus is risen from the dead. Now, he tells the women to that Jesus is going to meet them in Galilee, and that's where they will see Jesus is alive. So, so that, that's, that's a message. That's what they need to bring to the disciples. So they leave the empty tomb, and notice it says here in verse 8, it says, with fear. Now, I, I think the, uh, Matthew writes this because, you know what, they just saw an angel. They just, they just had this conversation. They, they just heard him speak. And so there's a, still a little fear and little feeling of this awesomeness, like, whoa, what, what, what's happening here? And whoa, you know, so there's a little fear. But at the same time, it says in verse 8, uh, with fear and great joy. And what is that joy? Well, of course, to know that Jesus is alive. All right, so they get the instructions. They're on their way to tell the disciples. Then look at verse 9 and 10 now. It reads here, Matthew 28. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So on their way to tell the disciples to give them this great news, right? This message that Jesus is alive. Who do they run into? Kermit the Frog. No, just joking. No, they, they run into the resurrected Lord. I don't know why that was in my mind. But there's Jesus, right? Basically, Jesus saying, saying greetings or, hey there. Hey, you guys, look, you know. And notice the response of the women. What did they do here? They grabbed his feet and worshipped him. Now, now, they grabbed his feet. It shows that Jesus is not just some spirit, you know, floating there, yeah? Like the Obaka woman or someone, you know? He's, he's not a, a spirit and see-through. No, he is physically real and your glorified body is actually physical it's nothing like we have now but in his resurrected glorified body it's physical we know in the gospels that he even ate with the disciples after he was resurrected but at the same time he could all of a sudden appear and go through walls so it's a cool body i can't wait to get my resurrected glorified body but here's jesus physically there with the women right they didn't like come and try and grab their feet and they're like you know grabbing unto nothing no they grab him they grab him in love and in devotion and i love it how they showed that love and how they worship jesus in response to seeing him alive so then jesus speaks to them and he says hey don't be af don't be afraid and it's interesting here now that in verse uh 10 or yeah verse 10 then jesus said to them do not be afraid now 
I was thinking about, well, why would he tell the women to not be afraid? I mean, they're already grabbing onto his feet. They're already worshiping. I mean, if they were afraid, they'd be like, whoa, backing off, right? Is this real? Is this a vision? Is this a ghost of Jesus? No, they are so excited to see him. They just grab and they didn't even think and they grab and Jesus is physically there. So why did he say, do not be afraid? You know what he's saying? Do not be afraid to tell the disciples. In other words, this is not a bad message for the disciples. The disciples, do you remember who abandoned him, right? No, Jesus is reaching out to them. Matter of fact, we see this in verse 10. He says, go and tell my brothers. It's a term of endearment there. It's a term of his love that, hey, go tell my brothers, you know. Um, it's words of grace and love there. And he, he tells me, hey, tell them to go to Galilee and you'll see me there. You'll, we'll meet over there. And, and, you know, understand Jesus had told them before he died on the cross, hey, when I, when I rise again, meet me in Galilee. So they're in Jerusalem. So he's saying, go, up, go back up north and we're going to meet together. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is reaching out to them in this amazing love. So basically, Jesus makes sure the women understand this message that the angel instructed them to do, which was from God anyway. So Jesus comes to make sure and he, that they send with these ladies this message. They send his love in setting up the meeting. That's our heading, the meeting. And this meeting is important, you guys. I mean... Remember, the disciples had run away, right? When Jesus was arrested, they lost faith in Jesus. What did they do? They abandoned Jesus, right? Or do you remember Peter, right? One of the head guys there. Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times. He denied even being associated with Jesus. Like, no, I'm not a follower. I'm not one of the disciples. No, not me. Three times now. Notice Jesus, when he appeared to the ladies here in his resurrected body, and he says, hey, don't, you know, he said, don't be afraid. He, he, he didn't say, hey, you know what, and tell, yeah, go and tell them. I'm going to meet them, but tell those lo losers, you know what, I, I'm done with you, right? He didn't say that. He, he didn't say, I'm, 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 I'm totally done with you, and I'm going to find some new disciples, so, you know, we're going to meet. And we're going to have this meeting here, and I'm going to be telling you. No, that's not what it was about. Actually, in a parallel passage in Mark chapter 16 in the resurrection story, the angel, when he gave the message to the women, actually singles out Peter. He, he says, go and tell his disciples and Peter. And you know what? I believe Peter probably felt the worst out of all of them. He denied Jesus three times. He, he, it's, like, it's like saying, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a believer. What? 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 No. You know, and you disrespect Jesus and you, you pretty much just spitting in his face. And Peter felt so bad. It says in another gospel that he, after the third time, which Jesus predicted he'd do, he went away weeping here. So Jesus, we see here, is really reaching out in love. So here's our last point. In setting up this meeting now, Jesus reaches out to the disciples in a loving act of restoration. Jesus reaches out to the, to the disciples in a loving act of restoration. Isn't that beautiful here? So when the angel gives this, this message to, 
for the ladies to take and send, you know, to bring to the disciples. And then Jesus appears, kind of clarifies, making sure, hey, hey, don't be afraid. This isn't a bad thing. This is a great thing. I, I want to be with them. He wants to forgive them. He wants to restore them. This is amazing. In this meeting, he said enough. Jesus reaches out to the disciples in a loving act of restoration. And let me tell you, Jesus wants to meet with you today. Just, just like he wanted to meet with the disciples in restoring them, Jesus wants to do that with you today too. Ray Stedman once said, Jesus rose from the dead. He is still around, still available. He still can meet us in the same way. His promises which he uttered are valid promises. So if, if, if Jesus says he loves you, he means that. He, that's what he, he basically was, was sharing with the disciples. Listen, Jesus rose again from the dead, and he's still alive, and he's still around, and he still wants to meet with you. What Jesus did in reaching out to, to these wayward disciples who lost faith, who abandoned him, they followed him for three years, and all of a sudden, gone, right? He reached out to them. If he did that to them, he, he can reach out. He's reaching out to you too. He wants to restore you back into a relationship with them. Jesus reaches out disciples in a loving act of restoration. See that here. So, will you come back to Jesus? Jesus is reaching out his hand of fellowship saying, Come, come, let's meet. I love you. I want to restore you. I want to fix what was broken. You know, the, I was thinking about this this morning. There's, 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 a, there's people in the whole world, right, in this whole world we live in. There's people over here in this whole world who never accepted Jesus Christ. God is calling them right now. There's, there's Christians who are on the path toward heaven with a strong relationship with Jesus, on fire, in love with them, loyal no matter what. Then way over here, are these Christians who we call have backslidden, have wandered away from God. So you have these people who have never accepted Jesus. You have these Christians here walking on that path. And then over here, you, you get these people who have wandered away, and, and they're not with the Lord so much anymore. They may name, but, you know, they're, they're really not, not there. and they're, they're, they're acting more like people over here who don't know Jesus. You know what? God is calling everyone, those who have never accepted Jesus here. God is calling those who have wandered away. And you know what? I believe there's another category here. You have these Christians here, who believers are, who are strong, and then you have the backslidden ones here. But in between, I believe there's another category of people. And these people have started to drift away. Here's the path. They're off the path already. They're heading toward this total backslidden state. They're starting to move this way, and they're drifting off the path. You know, God is calling you too. Don't sit there this Easter Sunday and think, yeah, I've heard this. I know this story. I am. Pastor Rick, you've said this before. You know, you've gone over this. Yeah, I have. But you know what? This story is timeless. The truth of what Jesus has done is timeless, and it should move our heart every time we hear it. And every time we celebrate Easter, it's a celebration because he's given us life. And without him, we would be nothing. 
And so I'm calling on not just you who, who over here who never accepted Jesus, but I'm calling on you guys, not just also not just you guys who, who are backslidden, have wandered away, know you got to come back to this path. But watch out, you guys who have drifted here, who are becoming callous to what I'm even saying right now, come back. Do not drift off. Jesus is calling you and saying, come, let's meet. Let's meet. Maybe you're thinking, well, I made a mess of things. I don't know. I'm not sure if God would want me back. No, he wants you back. He's saying me. The disciples made a mess of things in their own heart. They said the wrong things. They abandoned him. Peter denied Christ. But Jesus is still saying, let's meet. Jesus wants to come and fix it all and restore it. God wants to fix it all. Give him your life. And he can make it right again, you know. Listen to uh, Isaiah 61 here. I think we're going to put it on the screen too. The last part of verse 3 in Isaiah 61, 3. And this is what the Lord wants to do. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. God wants to restore your life and make it beautiful again he, so that he would be glorified that you would give him glory so that you can have a relationship tight with him again you know i love this verse because it says that he'll give you beauty for ashes do you feel like you just made ashes of your life you just destroyed it there, is there like mourning and sadness or this heaviness of of how bad you've done you know what God wants to exchange all of that for beauty, for joy, the oil of joy and a garment of praise. So come to Jesus. That's what Jesus is offering the disciples. Come and meet me there. Come, come. I want to restore you back to me. I want to exchange all your mourning, all that pain for joy and praise. And you know what? That's all because Jesus loves them and he loves you. Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus. And that means God can take a messed up life, all of our failures, and turn it all around. Easter is about this resurrection Sunday when Jesus rose again and that he can fix things and give us new life and restore us. Since Friday, three days ago, the disciples and the women were all in despair, in hopelessness, and in pain. But Sunday came, and it changed. It all changed with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm going to close with one of my favorite uh, uh, things I came across with from this black preacher who was preaching on Easter Sunday at an inner city church in Philadelphia. And this is part of his sermon from this elderly old black preacher guy. And, and this is what he said. It's Friday. But Sundays are coming. It's Friday. Mary, Jesus' mother's crying her eyes out. That's her son up there on the cross. He's dying the agonizing death of crucifixion as a criminal. But it's only Friday. Sundays are coming. The apostles were really down and out. Jesus, their leader, was being killed by evil men. But it's only Friday. Sundays are coming. The devil thought he had won. You thought the devil says, you could outwit me, but I got you now. But it's only Friday. Sundays are coming. 
It's Friday and evil has triumphed over good. Jesus is dying up there on the cross. The world is turned upside down. This shouldn't happen. But it's only Friday. Sundays are coming. It's Friday. Mary Magdalene was out of her mind with grief. Her Lord was being killed. Jesus had turned her life from sin to grace. Now he was dead. But it's only Friday. Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The sisters and brothers are suffering. It just isn't fair. All they have to go through. But it's only Friday. Sundays are coming. Well, let me tell you, Sunday is here right now. Today is Sunday, the Resurrection Sunday, and we celebrate the fact that Christ has risen from the dead. Are you still stuck in Friday with your life? Come to the Lord and Savior. Come to Sunday now and see that Jesus is alive. Let's pray. Lord, we celebrate this day. God, in how you have risen from the dead, that you have conquered sin and death, that now we can be forgiven, Lord, that we can have new life, that we can go to heaven, that we can be saved, God. And, Lord, it's no longer Friday because you've risen from the dead. And let it not be no longer Friday for us, Lord, lost in our sin, filled with sorrow and grief, under condemnation. Lord, let us see today that we have hope in you. That as we put our faith in you, we can find love, your love, and we can live, really live, and live again like you have. So, Lord, I pray right now, as, as our heads are bowed, God, I pray that, that you would move your spirit upon all of us, God. Lord, sometimes even believers, strong believers, our eyes are upon what we can do, but we forget about what you have done, Lord. Sometimes our, our faith is clouded and in, in doubt because of situations going on. Maybe this crisis or troubles that are upon you and your emotions are, are rising up. But God, help us to put our eyes on you, that you have risen from the dead and that you have conquered all and you have the power to bring a miracle into our lives. And Lord, I pray for those who have wandered away or are drifting, God, that they see what you have done on the cross and know that you love them and you want them back and you want to restore them. And I pray for those, those who have never received Christ before, that this Resurrection Sunday, that today, April 12, 2020, would be the day of salvation, that they would come to you and find forgiveness, new life, and a freedom in their soul like never before. And may they find your love being poured out upon them, even right now. God, thank you for rising again from the dead, for dying on the cross for our sins, and for living now, God, living and being alive and reaching out to us right now and living inside of us, Lord. So, God, I pray for everyone right now on this, at this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.